This is a podcast from Minute Media. Top Ravens players are coming back to the field. I had a fevered dream about Ronnie Stanley's health. And we have actual Ravens football to talk about this week on Pod Like a Raven. Yeah, so let's start with the most important thing. I did have a dream that Ronnie Stanley was not doing well health-wise to start the year. Uh, it was just me interviewing Coach Harbaugh, asking him a bunch of questions. Then I woke up and was relieved that it was not real. So, Stanley, for now, <laughs> no negative news. And that was the most important thing that happened in the past few weeks. Oh, and also there was some Ravens football. Oh, and also we have some very important players coming back and on the field, running around in pads. It's very exciting. I'm Antonio Barbera. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, starting first on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Am I right this time about your your location? Yep, back here on the West Coast. Uh, same old, same old out here, except as you said... Uh, NFL football is is back, sort of, in our lives. I got way too excited. I, I broke out the, the Lamar jersey for game one. I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, I sent some very excited texts to multiple people, not just you all. Um, uh, Are you cheating on us? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Talking football with multiple people. Uh, you know, fantasy drafts uh, are in the works to, re- to relaunch. It's just a very exciting time uh, as we inch closer to the season here. And on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going well. I, I, as we record this, I'm coming off another dismal uh, Liverpool performance just minutes ago. I have COVID as of recording as well. But we get to talk about Ravens football. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy, all things considered. It kind of, kind of balances things out a little right. bit, hopefully. All right, we will get to uh, the biggest news of the past two weeks which is just Ravens first preseason game but a couple of news and notes to go over before that uh and one of the biggest ones uh our lord and savior Justin Tucker uh kicker extraordinaire all pro future hall of fame kicker maybe signed an extension uh for four years 24 million uh had a few years left on his previous deal and then apparently was just chit-chatting with Harbaugh during practice and said, hey, we could get this thing done in five minutes. I wish I could, I guess how I have to frame this is, I wish I could be in the position of being so respected and so clear-cut in my talents that I could just turn to my boss in the middle of a meeting and say, hey, should we go, why don't we go sign a four-year, $24 million extension? It could be, we could do it real quick. Uh, And yet, basically no argument from anyone in the league Outside the league, fans, players, whatever. He's the best kicker. He should be the highest paid kicker. And he stays in Baltimore for a very long time. Guys, uh, any good thoughts here about Justin Tucker staying in Baltimore for a long time? I mean, you, you nailed it, Antonio. <laughs> if, if you're going to pay one guy uh, an exorbitant amount of money, it might as well be him at the kicking position. Um, and there's been no signs of slowing down from Justin Tucker. So long may it continue and... He seems dedicated enough to his craft that it's not going to be one of these guys that all of a sudden the body just falls apart. So encouraging signs all around. Yeah, it, it really speaks to how good he is that, you know, a kicker signs a $24 million deal, 17.5 guaranteed. Uh, knowing Tucker, uh, you have to imagine he's going to hit a lot of these incentives and get very close to that $24 million number. 
uh, but to not think twice about it. Like, it's it's on its face a ton of money to give a kicker, but, you know, he's the best, and uh, when you consider his value added to the Ravens, he's probably uh, almost underpaid, you could argue, uh, even having the, you know, the richest kicker contract in the NFL. Um, it's well-deserved, and, uh, yeah, I didn't think twice about uh, that number, even though it's certainly not small for his position, but, uh, yeah, he deserves it. He's, he's the best. He's the best. I, you said maybe Hall of Famer. I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer if he retired tomorrow, but, um, he has a real chance, you know, if, depending on how long he wants to play to, to make some real runs. at so some of the all time, uh, numbers that, you know, Adam Vinatieri holds. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great. He's under contract, uh, through tw- the 2027 season now, six more years. Uh, and yeah, it's, no complaints on this end. The last few weeks, you know, you're in the doldrums of, of summer. It's August. There's not a, not a ton going on. It's hot outside, which leads me down to a lot of YouTube rabbit holes. Uh, and the past few weeks, been doing a lot of just, like, Raven full games on YouTube that they have, which is very cool. And you, like, remember a lot of players who used to be on the team. And one of the things that stuck out of the last couple of, like, clips and highlights that I was watching was the Ravens kicker situation. So... Saw a little bit of Billy Cundiff, didn't need that. Saw some Hauschka, didn't really need that. Even some Stover. I went all the way back, deep, far enough to where Stover was very prominent, and he would come out to, like, line up for kicks, and it was like a 48-yarder, and the announcers are like, oof, we're going to see if Stover has the leg. (laughs) And he was, like, a very, very good kicker for a very long time, and yet that was the level of what, like, a very challenging kick was for him. And that's a different, it's a whole different scenario when you just don't have to worry about your kicker and it's only going to be a case of is he going to almost win a game single-handedly uh is he going to break yet another record it's just so relaxing to have a kicker that is first of all going to make every kick under 40 pretty much make any kick under 50 and then still be remarkably consistent beyond that so very good news just a nice uh you know a little bit less stress for us over the next now four five six seasons hopefully with tucker Okay, uh, continuing with contract talks, maybe going the other way. <laughs> Got to bring it up. It's been, you know, 10 minutes. Lamar Jackson sets uh, has said, or at least said, that he was set a definitive date to cut off contract talks when the season starts. We kind of knew this. Not a lot to say here. But I'll check in, you know, with the panic meter. Uh, August 15th. We got 15, what, about three and a half weeks until game one. Is this getting done, or are we... Uh, is this getting pushed and then franchise tagged and then whatever? I, I don't know if this is just one of my contrarian takes. I think I'm at panic level like a two. I, I think I've just pushed this to caring about this like so far to my periphery that like if it gets done, great. But I'm like, I can't do anything about it. So I've just like been trying not to worry about it. You know, I'd prefer they get it done, but the deadline makes sense, obviously. Uh, as his own agent, you know, Lamar has to be the one doing these negotiations and certainly not uh as an nfl player you you probably don't have time for high level probably dare we say 300 million dollar uh contract negotiations or somewhere in the vicinity to two to three hundred million dollars um so yeah i get i I get it not extending into the season and uh you know it's both sides talk optimistically lamar is obviously a very private person but 
To this point, there's been uh, no real sign anything's changed. So, yeah, I, I, I've just not been worried about it too much from that sense, just because it's like, well, nothing's really new about this. Like, we kind of figured this was going to be a cutoff. So, you know, we'll just see what happens, I guess. I mean, the man's representing himself. So, you know, good on him to just say, look, once week one comes, I'm not talking about this anymore. I get it. It makes sense. Uh, and, Jace, I think the contrarian part of it is two is too high. I'm, I'm at like a... <laughs> I'm at like a zero on this story, and I know it sounds stupid. We're the Ravens podcast, and if you watch SportsCenter every day, this should be the biggest deal in the world. It's not. It, it's going to get done. Lamar wants to stay in Baltimore. The Ravens want to keep him. They, they, uh, Ian Rappaport on Monday was on Pat McAfee's show. He said that it, there's a sense that uh, the Ravens will go higher in terms of guaranteed money and uh, you know per year value and what have you uh, than Kyler Murray with the Cardinals, which uh, – yeah, no duh, because he's a better player than Kyler Murray, and he doesn't spend you know oodles and oodles of time on Twitch, and he actually cares about the sport. So I, by the way, I know we don't have time for that fiasco, but dear God, the whole contract <laughs> stipulation thing that happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not super worried about it. And this is something that the the point that we keep making here is: would we all like to you know cancel our plans on a Wednesday and have to make do an emergency pod because Lamar just signed a deal? Absolutely. But do I still think that Lamar, either way, is going to have a good year for this Ravens team and be on the team in the future? Absolutely. So, I, you know, sure, we can sweat it all we want, but everything that he has said and every kind of indication that we've gotten is both sides want to get a deal done and, and good on him to finally, you know, definitively say, hey, y'all can speculate till this date, but don't let it bother you during the season because I'm not going to talk about it, which I think is, is huge. Yeah, that, that's like at least at this stage, my favorite part about this is that it's just a way to get press to stop bringing it up every 10 seconds when there's games to focus on and this and that during the season. So I like that. Um, I'd say I'm about like a four. I'd put it higher than, <laughs> probably higher than two. It's just, it's one of those things where the longer it goes, the more concerns I have about him setting a number that he thinks is fair for himself, which fine, whatever. And the Ravens, thinking well that's you know you haven't done xyz so we don't think that and then there's a list of 20 teams if not more than 20 teams who would absolutely go as high as he will say anyway that's fine that's fine it's august it'll be fine it'll be fine in other good news uh and this is not contract related this is on the field stuff two very important raven contributors have put the pads back on they're back on the practice field after missing all of last season and that is jk dobbins who came back last week, had a few, he was doing the, like, drills on the side, then he had a few days off, and everybody freaked out, but that was apparently intentional to see how his body reacted to the the few days of of workouts. And then back now with the players on the field, in the pads, very exciting. And then also Marcus Peters, as of today, we're recording this on Monday, back on the field. Guys, we knew this was, we knew we'd get some of these guys eventually, but it still has to feel pretty good when you finally see them running, cutting, in pads, looking smooth, and ready to play with weeks to spare, let's say. So they should be sort of ramped up by, by week one with, at this point. I think that's the big part there that you just added at the end. With weeks to spare, you know, there, there is plenty of time for them to ease back. We were talking about it uh, off-air before recording this of, you know, it doesn't look like Gus Edwards is coming back in time. So to have a, a bell cow type of J.K. Dobbins, uh, you know, presumably ready for week one is nothing 
is nothing but good things. And as we, you know, not to steal our thunder a little bit from our talking about the Titans game in just a couple of minutes time, but the fact that we saw the likes of Robert Jackson and Kevon Seymour out there, <laughs> Kevon Seymour almost got us different number, I'm pretty sure. So he was trying to hide from us Ravens fans uh, to hear that uh, Marcus Peters is going to be on the field. And hopefully those guys will, you know, and no offense to them, not be on the field as much, I think is, is nothing but positives. And as, as Marcus likes to say, we ain't done yet. And that's what we love to hear. <laughs> the, the, the Marcus one's especially exciting for me for what Tim said. I think he's just so important to what the Ravens did. We we obviously saw their, what, were they, did they I f- finish last last season against the pass? Or very close to it if they didn't. So uh, it's just so huge to get him back. And uh, I think the other thing with him that's exciting is like, we, we obviously knew JK was close. He felt he was ready to go day one of training camp you know he jk was wearing the uniform and seemingly getting in quote animated conversations with the likes of eric DaCosta uh and, and calais campbell and various veterans about wanting to play uh so we knew jk was relatively close to at least getting back on the field but marcus i feel like we just hadn't heard anything about his status for quite some time now so for him to just kind of show back up uh today as we record uh, is like, yeah, a, just a great feeling. So uh, very excited to ha- yeah, have, uh, bo- you know, both of them back. And especially, you know, Antonio, you mentioned your dream about Ronnie Stanley. I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but two weeks ago um, when we recorded uh, on that day, John Harbaugh said uh, something along the lines of, uh, you know, his uh, Ronnie Stanley's t- t- uh, return wasn't imminent. And it's been two weeks and we still haven't seen Ronnie Stanley. So, you know, count me as getting concerned about that. Um, but to, to get some of these other guys back, uh, you know, that that, that is a, a very good sign. And, uh, you know, bodes well for this season. They're two of the Ravens, you know, 10 best players. <laughs> yeah, we will see in the coming weeks. Ronnie Stanley, Gus Edwards, Tyus Bowser, a, a few of the big names remaining. And it's not looking like maybe any of those three <laughs> will be there at week one. But it would be a, nice to see him at least maybe... Start getting into some football activities, at least, so that we have a sense of them coming uh, down the road. And then I will say that, and look, I'm gonna, I am have to shout this so that I don't get in trouble. J.K. Dobbins is not happy Gus Edwards is hurt. J.K. Dobbins is not happy that Gus Edwards is still not ready to play. J.K. Dobbins is probably thrilled that he is going to be like lead back, featured back, and be getting a lot of carries in the first few weeks of the season. I feel like this has been his, like, or I guess his agent's shtick since he was a rookie, is that he was never getting enough carries, never being the feature back. If all goes well the next couple of weeks and Gus Edwards isn't there, it's going to be the J.K. Dobbins show, even with the depth that they have at running back, and I'm sure he is thrilled about being able to show that after a year away. Okay, let's get into it. It's football time. It's game time. The Ravens. Uh, I, I don't even need to say they won, because that's just how they do things now in Baltimore with preseason games, but they did win. 23-10 to 10 over the Tennessee Titans. First football action. None of the starters played, really. Uh, it was very fun that uh, Odafe Owe played like a snap and then did not play for the rest of the game. Thank goodness we had him suit up and play a snap. I, uh, I don't know about that, but anyway. A lot of second-string players, a lot of third, fourth, fifth-string guys a lot of rookies we were able to see uh, their first action. So before I get into my sort of uh, talking points, let's just turn let you let you guys go first. Overall impressions of this game, things you liked, things you took away, uh, just excited for watching Raven football, certain players you liked, or 
the score, the fact that the Ravens may never lose a preseason game again. Uh, who wants to go first here? Yeah, the, I mean, the preseason, just to touch on it, the preseason streak's insane. There's no rhyme or reason to it. They've won 21 straight preseason games. It's an NFL I believe to be an NFL record. Uh, they haven't lost a preseason game since 2015. Like, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> and, uh, Jace, it's because they always have such depth? Well, what do you mean? And so that's, like, what's, I guess, exciting. Like As we said, saw last season, by the way. <laughs> I, I loved, I did love that almost no starters played. I, that was great. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I was very excited to, to, to see the Ravens play, uh, and especially the rookies. Um, I don't know, yeah, if we just want to dive into it. Uh, one of the guys that stood out to me um, on, on the rookie front was Daniel Falele, who ended up playing almost the entire game, basically. He was the right tackle for nearly the entire game, and I was really impressed, uh, you know, with him on the whole. I think especially he, he was a guy back in minicamp who had some conditioning concerns around uh, <coughs> him. He's huge. He's 6'8", you know, 380-ish. <laughs> Who's to say exactly? Um, he's a massive man. He made Ben Cleveland look small when they were lined up next to each other, which is no small feat and uh you know I, I i was just impressed to see him and, and the fact that he played i think but yeah basically more snaps than anyone on the entire team um to get him a run uh was just pleasing to see and, and i thought he acquitted himself well and you know he's not going to be the starting right tackle this season that's slated to be morgan moses um but i think it bodes well for the future and certainly just depth uh the ravens didn't have last year they did not have a player um Frankly, as talented as Daniel Falele, uh, backing up right tackle, uh, especially once, you know, when you were on your fourth or fifth string right tackle. So, so that was that was that was one guy that stood out to me just because he played a ton, and I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, on Falele as well. You know, the the concern was he came into rookie minicamp too big, like incredibly overweight, and people were concerned. He spent the summer. The story comes out now, and call it puff piece if you want. You know, after his good performance <laughs> in the preseason, but. He spent the summer in the facility when he could have gone home or he could have worked out by himself. He spent in the facility and said, what do I need to work on? What do I need to do? And he got rewarded by, again, some veterans not playing, but him playing at right tackle basically the whole game, as Jace mentioned. I thought he played very well. Um, it screams Orlando Brown Jr. You know, it's the easy comparison to make. And maybe he doesn't have to start right away. You know, you have a Morgan Moses who is a, a solid veteran stopgap, but, but that's what he is. And Philele maybe is the future of that right tackle position, you know, Juwan James playing left tackle as as it's been mentioned, you know, he's usually a right tackle. He even himself said it's, it's a hard transition to make. It's like trying to write with your like left hand essentially. Uh, but I thought he played decently well, but I'm going to go to the other side of the line. Weird. Jason and I are talking about the <laughs> offensive defensive line when there's so many other things to talk about. We will get to Isaiah likely. Don't worry. He was awesome too, <laughs> but I got to talk about Travis Jones. I mean, he, he, the 98, it just looked like Brandon Williams in the middle again. It's just massive, pushing the pocket. You know, really, Cole, if you're on Twitter, I, I highly advise you watch uh, Cole Jackson, who does this stuff really well as a Ravens fan. He did, like, a whole breakdown of, of Travis Jones's game on a YouTube video that you can watch. Had the sack, I believe it was of Malik Willis, too, where it was on the – uh, on the sideline chased him all the way down the sideline and Malik tried to cut inside of him he was still strong enough to grab him had some help from another defender as well but Travis Jones man I mean Michael Pierce 
is supposed to be that guy to fill the Brandon Williams gap, but, you know, can't stay on the field and a, a veteran who knows. Travis Jones might be this dude that, you know, the memes were of Bashadi and DaCosta on the sideline for the game. And it was like, we got Travis Jones in the third and Philele in the fourth. Are you kidding me? By the season's end, they, they might be two legitimate impact starters for this team. So, you know, Travis Jones, for me, one of the guys that really, really stood out as well. He was – there were these sort of whispers all uh, summer about how good he looked in these, whatever, one-on-drills and, oh, my gosh, he looks the, – just he's got the size, he's got the quickness. And I thought he was a James Prochet Award candidate, <laughs> big time, because of this third-round, uh, you know, whatever, pedigree, the third-round tag that he has on him. Uh, came from a, you know, let's not exactly call it a football school. Uh, UConn has, has, has struggled in, in several ways in terms of actually having good football teams. So it was nice to see him now actually dominate uh, <laughs> other players on another team. There's always the fear, not the fear, but, you know, that let's relax because he's he's playing against second third fourth string players and that's the case with just about any player in a preseason game looking good but it's nice to see <laughs> it looks good he was knocking people over shedding people left and right came up with a sack it's just we want depth at these positions this is a ravens team after all we want a lot of mean strong angry defensive players specifically on the line and they might be in a good uh, good position if a guy like Travis Jones is literally pushing for uh, <laughs> starting a starting role, starting snaps, whatever you want to call it. Um, on the offensive line, and we are going to get into sort of how the roster looks already uh, a bit later on in the show. But I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit. Um, see, guys, I, I I'm I'm going to talk shop too. <laughs> I want to talk lines back and forth. Tyree Phillips, we saw him play a lot. We saw Ben Cleveland play a lot. They're fighting for, uh, you know, the, the, that left guard spot. Uh, Patrick McCarry, who is kind of this, like, jack-of-all-trades lineman for this team, signed in the, re-signed in the offseason, played a little bit at center, fumbled a snap because we can't have nice things at center. Uh, they had Ben Powers, who was sort of also in the mix for the guard position. He was taking snaps at center. So there's some question marks still about who exactly is going to play where, when. But it's another situation where do we? Is, this team is likely going to keep 10 offensive linemen. And I want to run through. It's like two lists of, of five guys. And then I want to get your guys' opinions on, are they keeping 10 because there's depth and it's strong depth throughout the line? Or are they keeping 10 because they don't really know what's... No one's standing out, basically, and they don't have a solid five, so they're going to keep a few extra names and try to sort it out as the season goes along. Ronnie Stanley should be, who knows, starting left tackle. Ben Powers, Tyler Linderbaum, Kevin Zeitler, Morgan Moses is kind of that first five. Jawan James, Tyree Phillips, Patrick McCarry, Ben Cleveland, uh, Daniel Falele. Those are ten guys. That does not include David Sharp, who played last year and like looked okay and is supposed to be sort of a developmental guy, and does not include Tristan Clone Castillo, which was another guy who sort of had some spot moments over the past few seasons for the Ravens. So where are we with this unit with ten guys, twelve, you know, in theory, who have maybe played on this team or been a rotational members of this team? How confident are you in this line today with, with those 10 guys who will likely make the team? 
Go ahead, Jace, because well, I don't want to. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I will say more confident than last year. There's that. Um, That's not saying anything. No, it's not. But, you know, at the same time, I do think just their, their contingencies are just a lot better. You know, I, I was thinking back to last season, and, and you mentioned Juwan James going from right side to left side. But at least he's doing it, right? They go into last season, they don't plan for Alejandro Villanueva to be their left tackle. They plan for him to be their right tackle. He ended up swinging back left, which he arguably played better at than the one game he played right tackle. But still, their their, their plan is so much better. But I, I am with you, Antonio, in what you said, um, in that I think they don't know what they're doing at left guard, uh, which is a concern. No one seems to have particularly distinguished themselves. And then, um, at the same time, Linderbaum's injury, I'm just a little worried. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not going to say I'm a eight or a nine, but I'll say I'm about a five big guy with a foot injury in preseason. Uh, uh, two weeks, three weeks, you know, that could become four weeks, five weeks very easily. Uh, and it's just a scary road to go down. So I hope for the best for him. Cause you know, if he's healthy, that simplifies a lot of things. Cause yeah, I think. Uh, we don't need Patrick McCarry snapping balls into the dirt and getting Lamar Jackson concussed like he did in Buffalo a few Januaries ago. Um, we just don't need to do that again. Um, I, I will say with McCarry, I'm surprised he, like, as much as they like him, I'm su- I, I, surprised they haven't really tried him as just their starting left guard. I don't know. Maybe that's potentially something they experiment with. Because um, they're paying him, like, a not insignificant amount to kind of be this jack of all trades guy but it does concern me just a little bit that like no one see has seized the job ben powers kind of seems like the guy by default but um yeah it, I, I think we'll just gonna get musical chairs with the guard positions all preseason especially because kevin zeitler is probably not gonna you know play any at any time in the preseason so i so i don't really know where that leaves us i'm still more confident in this line than last year but there there are big question marks especially that left guard position number one i'd say uh, Lamar Jackson said today he thinks the line is stacked, so I just want to believe him and move on. No, um, no, I think I think the the Makari point is a really good one, Jace, because it's it's weird for a guy who is supposed to be a utility fill-in, right? And you can make the argument of, well, it's good to have that sixth offensive lineman because if you don't know, the starting five doesn't play the whole game. Those guys rotate in and out. You don't usually notice it because you know you're not paying attention to the <laughs> offensive line unless you're a psychopath like I am. Um, and those guys will rotate in and out, and maybe they just think it's better to have Makari as a – he's taken – you know, you don't usually switch out your center, but he's playing a couple snaps at right tackle, a couple snaps at – you know, when, when Zeitler needs a spell on a long drive, maybe he plays the right guard, maybe he fills in at left a little bit, and they like having that rotational option for a team that, you know, beats up their offensive linemen because they like to run the ball a lot. But – it's weird for a guy that is basically in, in order of what he is, technically. I would guess now it's probably tackle, center, guard. But you would think that the guard-center would be more of a combo, but the guard seems to be the most distanced from those two, <laughs> if that makes any sense in a weird way. So, I, I, yeah, I'm not really sure why he doesn't get more uh, reps at the left guard. But, espe- I mean, and, and especially with the fact that the tackle position, I think, is is way more fortified than it was last year. You know, I'm obviously cut in on Jason, make the joke that it's not saying anything about last year. But I think you can <laughs> definitively say 
Stanley, if healthy, God willing. Moses, Falele, Jawan James are four, if, if Falele turns out, and we'll see, four solid, solid, and, and obviously with Stanley, fantastic options at the tackle position. And then you can try and figure everything else out in the middle. Um, the Linderbaum thing reminds me of Bate, Rashad Bateman last year. You hate having a rookie injured. Not, and, and Jace makes a good point. Big guy foot. That's, not, that's never good. But also, young guy not getting reps, especially the guy who has to snap the ball to the most important player on the field at any moment is a bit concerning, but the guy's played center his entire life, I'm sure. So, I, you know, I think he'll be okay. Uh, First-round pick as a center, you expect good things from him regardless. And, yeah, I mean, it's just the left guard position, man. Like, it, it, if you look at it on paper, like, via Madden ratings, if you want to put it that way, like, everything being equal, injuries fine, everybody's perfectly healthy and playing to their best of their ability, that starting offensive line looks really good except for one incredibly glaring position. You have an all-pro left tackle. You have a highly promising um, uh, center, a highly promising rookie at center. And then your right side is two above-average, if not stellar, veterans in Kevin Zeitler and Morgan Moses. And the left guard is a trash heap. <laughs> ben Powers is a, is a former fourth-round pick, maybe sixth-round pick, who has had a couple flashes but hasn't been really that good. Um you know, Ben Cleveland is most known for smushing his head into a helmet. Like, he hasn't done anything at the professional level to suggest that he's going to be a good player as much as we wanted to praise him because, you know, big guy, look how big he is online. This great. It, it, it just hasn't worked out for him. And Tyree Phillips can't stay on the field. And also, like Makari, they kind of like having him as a swing option. So, I don't know. This is a long way, like Jace did, a long way of saying, yeah, it's better than last year, but I don't know if it's – you know, elite level like we would like for a for a positional group that is so so important on the field. Yeah, and we'll have two more games for that. You know, left guard cohort to just sort of see if one one of them can stand out. We can't put them all together into one player. You know, we need we need one to step up, and they will have the opportunity with these two uh, two remaining preseason games to grab what is still a pretty pretty wide open wide open position. All right, let's turn to playmakers. Couple of couple of guys had 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 a night for themselves uh, against the Titans. Shamar Bridges, wide receiver, all all the catches. Isaiah Likely, tight end. Oh boy, Mike Davis, the perfect Ravens backup running back. Uh, he looked smooth. He looked like he understood the offense. His running style seems perfectly suited to our approach. And he just like clocked a dude uh, in pass protection while chipping uh, on a, before he ran his route. So, who, you know, I'll let you guys go here because I think we need to do at least five minutes on Isaiah Likely. Uh, <laughs> let's start start with him, Tim. Yeah, let's start with Isaiah Likely. Uh, as of Monday, as we're recording this, he made apparently two more stellar catches in camp, uh, including the one that the Ravens put out on on Twitter thanks to their social media team uh, of just going over two defensive backs and grabbing the ball. The biggest thing for Isaiah Likely for me, right? The holding penalty sucks, okay? You know, we talk about he just made a spectacular catch, and I think right after it's a holding penalty, and people are like, well, he's going to have to learn how to block on this team, and, and especially with a team that really wants to run the ball and what have you, and I completely understand that. But this is my argument for the people who want to whine and cry and moan about a lack of wide receivers. The Ravens went into this draft and found – Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler, who we unfortunately didn't get to see. Both tight ends. 
And people are like, what? They already have Mark Andrews. They, they need receivers. Why didn't they take any receivers? Because they took a guy like Isaiah Likely. This team is going to zig when everybody zags. They're going to do it differently. Now, this is not me saying we definitely don't need receivers. Because obviously we do. And we'll talk a little bit about Shamar Bridges and maybe some others that impressed and what have you. But I think that they saw a value in a guy who is basically just a big dude at receiver that takes up an area of the field that Lamar loves to throw to and said, we are just going to get better at what we're really good at and try and stop us. You know, the best tight end of the NFL is on one side, meaning you're not going to double the rookie who has been standing out in, in training camp and preseason. You can't, because if you do, we'll throw it to the, the seasoned veteran all pro. That's fine. If you want to double the, 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 the rookie, fine, we'll throw it to Mark Andrews. If you want to try and take away Mark Andrews, we're going to just tear you up with this guy. I'm... This is Tim overreacts completely, and I know I've, I've preached in every one of these offseason episodes, don't overreact to training camp, don't overreact to preseason. I was losing my mind to Isaiah Likely because I just <laughs> think it's, it's the makings of another dominant tight end for this team. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going too far at this moment in time, but you could just – you can see it, right? Like, you, as Ravens fans who have watched this team through Todd Heap and Dennis Pitta – and now Mark Andrews, you can just see Isaiah Likely there, and he's a little bit more of the modern tight end. He's he's not your big. I mean, he's he's big, obviously, but he's he's more svelte. You know, he's not your bruiser type of guy. So you almost think maybe not tight end. He's just interior receiver. Like just consider him weapon and add him to the likes of Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay and James Prochet and Mark Andrews, what have you. He is just another weapon for this team to use and. My God, like I was, I was just in awe of, of that performance. And I just can't wait to see him week one against CJ Mosley and the Jets. <laughs> I, I think what was most exciting too about it, Tim, was like, we, 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 I think we've joked about likely, I'm sure being a James Prochet all-star uh, candidate, James Prochet award candidate, but for him to take like what we've been seeing in these practices and actually kind of put it on the field, albeit, as we mentioned, against other teams also backups. Um, uh, It was still really nice to see. Like, you know, it's still, you know, you can't teach things like height and ability to jump up and catch a ball over people, which he did in the middle of the field at least once, and those jukes were awesome on that one first down. So, like, uh, it was just really exciting for me to see him take, like, you know, what what he's been doing in practice and, and actually see it in a game setting because it makes it feel more real. And so that's what really makes it, I think, it exciting for me. And, and, and I'm with you. It really does. You, you don't want to get too excited too early, but you like to f- think maybe the Ravens uncovered a gem here. And especially, as you said, you know, he's not their number one tight end. You know, we're not going to see Mark Andrews probably play a snap in preseason. <laughs> um, so who knows what he might be even more open, as Tim said, like uh, when the real games are happening, uh, when guys are trying to double and triple team. Mark Andrews because Lamar Jackson's still trying to throw it to Mark Andrews. Um, so, yeah. So, who knows? So, I was just excited to see that uh, for Likely, for sure. A tight end breaking ankles. That's always good. I don't <laughs> yes, care. Yes, please. Who, I don't care who it's against. That is a sign of positive things. When we did the, uh, you know, what player do we hope stands out a month or so ago, one of my top choices was whoever tight end two is let it be somebody at tight end two who stands out because first of all Andrews needs like the help in terms of there has to be somebody else on the field that has to be guarded or can at least take a little bit of the pressure off of Andrews 
and because of how tight ends fit in this offense. Nick Boyle, at his peak, was not really a receiving tight end, right? Like he was on the field at the same time as Andrews. He's a six offensive he, lineman. He's was a six used as a lineman. Yeah, yeah, used as a blocker. To have another receiver. It's like when they had um, Her, uh, Hurst. Am I getting this right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Yeah. <laughs> Hayden Hurst. I was like... Hurst was like also James an offensive Hurst, James like... Hurst, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, when they had Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews at the same time, and they were both like running crossing routes like a, through each other and picking each other's d- defender off. We know Lamar Jackson loves throwing to tight ends. How about two of them who are really good <laughs> on the field at the same time? It's just a really nice situation, and kind of in a messed up, super Raven optimist way, do I prefer if the guy that they got is a tight end as opposed to a wide receiver? No, but almost, kind of, that they were able to uncover a really good tight end late in this draft. So we will see what happens, but certainly exciting there. Um, On the other side, how about the Ravens' first-round pick who did play? Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on uh, sort of the up-and-down performance um, from Kyle Hamilton. I think, you know... Looked aggressive in some areas, looked like a rookie having his first NFL snaps in other areas, but just first thoughts of seeing him on the field in a Ravens uniform against opposition. Uneven, uh, as you said, up and down is a good way to describe it. I thought he did some good things. Obviously, he recovered the fumble, uh, which, you know, it, it was a big point of emphasis with him and for the Ravens is just like, we need to create turnovers uh, and get turnovers. So that was something the team hasn't done. So to see him get one in game one when I was kind of, you know, getting turnovers was kind of his calling card in college. That, that was exciting to see. Um, you know, he, he did have some, I think, you know, rookie plays. He, uh, on Malik Willis's touchdown run, he did not account for the fact that Malik Willis is very athletic and could spin away from him. Uh, he could have played that better, you know. So it, there, there was there was some good plays, some bad plays. On the whole, I, I was impressed, I would say. Uh, certainly things to work on, but nothing I'm... I'm not concerned over game one preseason, you know. He missed some time last year. He's a rookie. That's what preseason's for, is to get mo- teaching moments like this. So, yeah, it wasn't a perfect game, but, I, you know, I, I, I thought uh, I thought it, he was good. And I got to say, just aesthetically, the number 14 works for me. Uh, so if he, he's good, it might might be filed away as a potential potential jersey buy so here's hoping he works out yeah the 14 with with the ravens number font or number styling whatever it is 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 good i think i think it fits and it's nice um you know jason jason nailed it i i think he looks like he belongs out there you know which is sure fine we're glass half full sue us we're gonna be pessimistic the rest of the year so (laughs) like whatever i i'm gonna i'm gonna be happy about seeing ravens football for the first time in a long time i thought he was fine you know i I think he made enough plays he wasn't the standout ed reed in week one but nobody's going to be and he's not going to be that in his career trust me you're not going to be the best defender of all time fight me uh on on in your first day uh, in a ravens uniform i will say aesthetically as well the dude is just so big. Like it is just so cool seeing a safety that clearly has the athleticism. It's not just some like you know hunk of muscle like walking around, trotting around out there, not figure, not knowing what he's doing. But to see him like come up from the line, like in the camera angle, like you can't really see the safety, and then he comes up to the line of scrimmage. You're like, oh my god, that dude is a safety. He looks <laughs> like what? He looks like a like a giant oversized tight end. 
uh, that that part I just I love aesthetically. You know, Jace Jace nailed all the important parts. So I thought I'd bring you know the things that us commoners notice uh, as well. The the fourteen, the arm sleeve, and just his pure size uh, was like, oh yeah, this, I'm gonna enjoy watching this guy this season. Okay, last couple of things I want to go over uh, from this game. Start starting off with uh, just our backup quarterback Tyler Huntley. Uh, 16 of 18 for 109 yards and a touchdown. Look good, look smooth. There's like whispers around the NFL that like teams want him as a starter, and it's kind of funny. We've seen so much of him now after a year and a half. He's like better than a backup, but he's not quite good enough to be a starter. He's never going to unseat Lamar Jackson. He's in this sort of middle ground. I don't want him gone because I very much enjoy having him as a backup who can come in and win a football game, but the the whispers are growing ever louder, uh, and I wonder as August continues and we get into September if teams in need of a quarterback are making phone calls to Baltimore to see if that guy is potentially available. Because if the draft pick is tasty enough, then I'm sure Baltimore will listen to it, at least, uh, when it is just a backup quarterback. And then I want to talk about the wide receivers as well and give you guys some some space here. Shamar Bridges obviously was the highlight name uh, in terms of the wide receiver room from their uh, game against the Titans last Thursday. Some contested catches. He was like going up, getting the ball at its highest point, all that good stuff. There are slots open for this team at wide receiver. So I want to ask you guys, first of all, about what you think about Bridges in terms of, you know, just outside of, yeah, he looked good in one preseason game, but does he have that sticking ability on this roster? And also, in this game, Tylen Wallace got hurt, and he sprayed, like twisted his knee, sprained his knee or something like that, making a catch, so he'll be out uh, for a couple of weeks. James Prochet has been sort of beat up. Uh, Devin Duvernay, I think, was out a couple of days. So the the fears that we had about the <laughs> wide receiver room are kind of already circling the Ravens just in the middle of August. So I wanted to bring it up one more time. Uh, we've now seen some of the depth of, of the wide receiver room with these fringe roster players. So want to get your guys' pulse on the wide receiver group after the the news of these players getting banged up, after seeing some of these guys in the preseason. Uh, are you at threat level midnight with the wide receiver room, or is it still like, no, nah, there's some guys there that can develop and this group's going to be fine? First of all, congratulations to you on the threat level midnight reference. Um, and if you didn't, it get just, that... I'm, I'm just on a rotating list of like meters of <laughs> judgment. <laughs> Who wants to do zero to ten, Tim? That's boring. It's Edgar Allan Poe. It's threat level midnight. <laughs> Jace, I'm going to start naming Jace Golden Face. That's what we're going to call him from now on as well. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm concerned. I'm probably the least concerned out of a lot of people that I know about this receiver group. I just there's, I I think there's going to be something from Duvarnay, and I think again, like I mentioned, I just consider this entire group of weapons rather than just breaking down these receivers. You know, Luke Jones uh, from WNST made a great point, and he did a piece today on Monday of kind of sizing up the roster as the cuts to 85 are coming on uh, on Tuesday as we record this. And the Ravens have cut a few people now. I think they're down to like 87 people. So they only need a couple more cuts to make to get to that number. He, he makes the point of saying they might not even keep five receivers based on the rest of this roster buildup. Now, I'm, I think they will just for depth issues and things, as Antonio mentioned already. Um, but it doesn't seem to be a massive need for them. You know, it doesn't seem to be a massive concern of we have to have our 
you know, DeAndre Hopkins, which is a bad example because he's not going to play for the first six games. Uh, and apparently Hollywood Brown is going to replace DeAndre Hopkins. Good job, Cliff. Uh, you know, we don't ha- need our Devontae Adams or whatever it is. Um, so I think the, the interesting part, and to, to circle back to the game, you know, I'll go with the obvious one. I think Shamar Bridges made a name for himself, one, because he made plays. Uh, which was which was good, and two, he brings something that a lot of these guys don't, and that's size. And it, it's it's the it's the guy that can go up and get the rebound, you know, the 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 forward that they convert uh, to a to a football player. Um, and so I think that if he keeps making plays in preseason, and he's going to get the opportunities, obviously, uh, he brings something that really nobody else has outside of Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace. You know, Jace can can attest more to this, but did seem like a kind of a sure hands possession guy in college. But he's not really a big guy. James Prochet nor Devin Duvernay are big guys. R- Rashad Bateman is your number one anyway, so th- he does have the size, but he's not. It doesn't seem like he's really your big go up and get it. Just throw it over the the little corner and see if you can, you know, moss him as it were. So I think that is what gives him the advantage against. You look at the rest of the guys and the, the likes of, you know, Makai Polk, Benjamin Victor, who we've seen in a couple off seasons, Jalen Moore, Slade Bolden, Rally Webb, Bailey Gaither, like. You don't know any of these guys, and you go out on Thursday and you you point at Shamar Bridges and you go, he's different. He's different. He brings something else that none of these guys have, and then he showed it as well, which is which is the key thing. And so I think, you know, a couple more standout performances, again as we keep saying, against backups for the other side as well. I think he carves out a roster spot, especially if you can play a little special teams. That's a you raised such a good point, Tim. It, it, that was something I really didn't even notice until like Jeff Zerebic mentioned it. But yeah, it was just the relative height of the Ravens receivers. So I think that as and then as you mentioned, combined with he did have the two best plays I thought uh, certainly of receiving plays uh, against the uh, the Titans. Um, yeah, I I think you know I I th- he certainly I think is the guy who has the inside track. But I think for me, I'm cool. You know, with letting one of these undrafted guys try to make the team. I think, you know, I went on a, a lengthy rant of several weeks ago about how just disheartened I was that the Ravens were in the market for another veteran who wasn't going to do anything. And I think our conversation about that, I think it was you, Tim, but I don't totally remember. But you mentioned something about, like, just don't even bother this year. And I think that's where I landed on. Like, why bring in a, a T.Y. Hilton at this point to get... 400 yards and two touchdowns uh yeah just give a guy like a shamar bridges a shot and it doesn't necessarily have to be him but i do think he has the inside track certainly of the undrafted guys and so yeah that's kind of where i've i've ended up falling on the the wide receivers i'm I'm not like thrilled with the room but i'm also like there's no value in signing anyone available <laughs> at this point. The best receiver out there is Odell Beckham Jr. He can't play until at least November, I think, is what people think. So if the idea is the Ravens need help now, he doesn't help now. So he'd be a long-term play. So, yeah, so I'm fine just sitting out and not, you know, I'm sure after saying this, the Ravens will sign Will Fuller in two days, and I'll talk myself into it. But uh, for now, I, I, I don't need a Will Fuller or a T.Y. Hilton or any of these veterans out there, really. I, just roll with the rookies and guys with upside and potential, and uh, yeah, who knows what happens. T.Y. Hilton having 400 yards and two touchdowns for the Ravens is maybe the most accurate <laughs> stat line prediction I have ever heard. Like, that was just so... Both of those numbers were so perfect, and he'd be hurt like 
five, yeah, six of the, the seventeen <laughs> games. Um, and yet I'm concerned, and I continue. I continue <laughs> to be concerned. Uh, threat level mid late. I'm at like I don't know quarter to twelve. That's kind of where I'm at in terms of my concern here. When the big games start, these fringe guys tend to disappear. The the down the depth chart unproven guys tend to disappear in terms of both playing time and of any ability to separate from first string NFL corners. So I am concerned. Uh, and I think that Will Fuller for half a season may be more dependable than 17 games of, you know, Jalen Moore, uh, which if for the listener, if they don't know who that is, exactly. <laughs> that's that's kind of the point. So I'm concerned. The good news is none of these guys have signed of, of these names that we've mentioned outside of Julio Jones a few weeks ago. There's still the same exact you know, room of veterans waiting to get signed. So I think the Ravens are in a position of let's wait, let's go through the preseason, let's give the young guys a few more weeks, let's see what the, where the injuries are as we enter week one, uh, and then go from there. But I am... I'm not convinced at all, <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to game one, and one of these unproven guys in Tylen Wallace is already out for multiple weeks um, on what was a fairly innocuous play. Just kind of got twisted up and is now out for a month. So we'll see, but certainly still time to address address that. Anything else, guys, from this game before we pivot to the random Raven? Uh, Any other players or notes? One thing we have to say is, uh, I, I think we mentioned, I, I was pleasantly surprised with most of this game. Not pleasantly surprised. I was just pleased with most of this game. I didn't think, you know, anyone was particularly bad. But Kevon Seymour had one of the just worst <laughs> plays I think I've ever seen in my life. And it just reinforced... Like, why I'm excited Marcus Peters is back. It just, he cut that route off. So it was a deep pass, like, up the sideline. And he just, like, ran to air. (laughs) As a guy went streaking by him, leaving uh, newly uh, re-glasses Tony Jefferson uh, to chase him down. It was just, it was just a baffling play to watch in real time. Like, you're like, what is he seeing He's not covering anyone. He just kind of was like, time to go to the sideline when there was no one there and the ball wasn't there. And, you know, it was just very baffling. Again, it's a minor moment of one preseason game, but it did kind of give some unfortunate flashbacks to last season and just reinforced, I think, yes, the need of Marcus Peters and uh, just a healthy um, Ravens, uh, you know, defensive back core. uh, put on display why they have so many defensive backs in general this preseason uh but yeah it was just a really awful play <laughs> that was really I, I, some texts were exchanged i think about it so yeah it just it stood out oh my god jace you just bugged my or just, just <laughs> jostled my memory you jostled my memory by by a a fleeting comment that you might not know if you don't live online like the ball uh, like the three of us do especially jace and i Here's a tweet from four days ago from one Tony Jefferson, quote, I can't even lie. I stopped wearing my glasses years ago, and that might have been the dumbest thing I've done. I can see so much clearer and further with my glasses. It's wild. Tony Jefferson, National Football League safety. Good safety. Very good player for the Arizona Cardinals in a couple years with the Baltimore Ravens before a knee injury as well. Was pulling a Jameis Winston. He couldn't see anything. 
everything. And he was playing in, in one of the most important I-need-to-see-the-whole-field-positions in safety in the National Football League. Here's one um, One Joseph Battle the Third replied to him and goes, You mean as opposed to wearing contact lenses or wearing no corrective lenses? Tony replies, No! I wasn't wearing anything! I used to wear contacts and glasses in college, but, quote, I've stopped. This, here's Brandon on Twitter. What do you do during games? Tony replies, I've just been going out there regular, shake my head. Just got my contacts, too. This man has been playing in the National Football League and hasn't been able to see. Screw Kyle Hamilton. Screw Chuck Clark, Marcus Williams. Tony Jefferson's going to be the best safety in the league. He can see now, guys. We're good. We're golden. And you know what? He's looked great. He's looked so good. <laughs> Oh, just going regular. That, not being able to see is not like the cold. I don't know. You don't just like get over it after a week. Like it just stays, Tony. And gets dare I say it gets worse, worse in most instances. Oh boy, comeback player of the year. What are the odds for him? Because that might be worth putting down ten bucks just because he'll have a ten pick season and win comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's some things. That's definitely something. Uh, and then Jace, the Kavan Seymour coverage. If you're not looking at the ball. Or the guy you're covering. That tends to not go well <laughs> as a corner. But he's, he's you know, we, we have some guys. We can resolve that. All right. I'm up this week with the Random Raven, so I'm going to run through these clues. I'm anticipating my co-hosts are not going to be thrilled with me because there's not a ton of information here. Uh-oh. But uh, he was definitely a dude, and he was here recently. And I think you'll, you'll all know the name. So uh, this large Random Raven, see there's a context clue right there right off the bat. This large random raven was drafted by the team out of Nebraska in the fourth round of the 2016 NFL Draft. He played in ten games as a rookie, starting eight, but missed the last six weeks with a sprained ankle. In 2017, during the Ravens' first preseason game, he suffered a shoulder injury that eventually required surgery and had him miss the entire second season, but he did come back in 2018 and started all ten games that he played. In August of 2019, so on the cusp of the 2019 season, he was traded to the New York Jets for a conditional seventh round pick for the 2020 NFL Draft. He played two seasons with the Jets, starting 21 games, before retiring suddenly in August of 2021 after suffering suffering a head injury. He wore the same number as Kelechi Osemele, former random great. And the trade for this player, the conditional seventh round pick, was eventually traded for another pick that would then become James Prochet. So uh, a fourth rounder who was a spot starter for two seasons, missed another season, was traded to the Jets, um, ended up becoming James Prochet, future Pro Bowl Ravens wide receiver. Uh, He did not have a very great stint with the Jets, but he did get a massive contract from them. So that's kind of how that works with the Jets. Uh, Even though he had only played, you know, like half of one season, he ended up getting a pretty large deal uh, and then played one other season before retiring suddenly in August of 2021. Probably unrelated, the Jets haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're not so good at the player acquisition part Uh, of... Football. I mean, they gave, what, $80 million to see an inside linebacker when the league is uh, going away from them. I do love, Jace, before you cut in, 
that the biggest clue we got about this random Raven is that he was hurt a lot. Like that, that <laughs> the guy wasn't on the field. This random Raven wasn't on the field. I was leading one way for a long time, but then the number threw me. But I actually do think I have it. So I'm, I'm um, very annoyed that this is definitely you know we could just. It's most likely an offensive lineman based on number, and uh, I don't have it, and that it bothers me. And the um, fact that there's no statistics I can give out. <laughs> yeah, this right. I mean, the other thing other too. Other games yeah. play. <laughs> also, and this is just this is just we're old now, but it's one of those where Antonio goes. That's relatively recently. He was drafted in 2016, six years ago. So, yeah, we'll have to see. Jace, I might have to rely on you for this one. I do not have a clue. I don't know if it's him, but I have a name, so we'll we'll see if. All, right. All right. All right. So I will uh, go over that one at the end of the episode, but. I want to turn now to the Ravens roster. Uh, after you know this sort of preseason games are opportunities for fringe players to get spots and for second stringers to grab starting roles, and so that sort of just idea of preseason games got me to thinking. Well, for this Ravens team, like how many of those spots are really available? How many fringe players are going to get spots? It's not a lot, and I think. I don't know, in August of a season, I kind of anticipated it to be like 10 to 12 spots, but it is not that. It's probably like three or four legitimate spots uh, remaining, and I want to run through the roster uh, quickly and just kind of get your guys' thoughts on, am I wrong here? Like, am I crazy that they're, uh, the vast, vast majority of this roster is already booked up? Uh, some of this stuff depends on... You know, are the Ravens going to have five receivers? Are they going to have six? Are they going to have four, as Tim mentioned earlier? How many running backs uh, are they going to keep? But at the moment, uh, the only spots that I see available are the back end of the wide receiver room. Uh, I I labeled it as non-secondary defender number 14. It kind (laughs) of looks like they're going to have, between the linemen and the linebackers, uh, 14 guys. And I'm going to run through that quickly because I think there's only one, maybe one spot there. Uh, if you count for Matabuke, Pierce, Campbell as starters in the line, uh, Tyus Bowser is sort of the question mark of whether he's going to be there day one. Josh Bynes, Patrick Queen, Odafe Owe, they're all going to be there. Justin Houston, Malik Harrison, Dalen Hayes, Brent Urban, Travis Jones, these are all dudes that are just going to make the team. Uh, Broderick Washington, very likely to make the team. Christian Welch, I guess he's like a maybe guy. They like him on special teams. They, they kind of want him to grow as a linebacker, but not a lot of spots there. And then potentially maybe one spot in the secondary. But even there, if you're taking eight or nine guys in the secondary, Marcus Peters, Chuck Clark, Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey, those are your four starters. Brandon Stevens, they love. Kyle Hamilton, he's going to be there. Uh, our Darius Washington, they also like. Kyle Fuller, they recently signed. That's eight guys. Didn't say Tony Jefferson there. Didn't say Geno Stone. And, and the tight ends, are they going to take three tight ends or are they going to take more? Mark Andrews is there. Nick Boyle is there. Isaiah Likely is leaping spots uh, as the weeks go along. Josh Oliver is a bubble uh, player. Uh, Charlie Kohler is probably going to start the season on the... Um, either IR or the physically unable to perform list, probably IR for him. Um, they have a spot for a fullback, like Patrick Ricard is taking one of the spots. 
what's left here? Am, am I wrong? Or are there really like three players who are going to be like, oh, congrats to that player for making the Ravens 53-man roster? Yeah, I think it's exactly down to that. And it's going to be, uh, I think, a, a John Harbaugh special. It's going to be guys who can play special teams in these uh, swing positions. Uh, you mentioned, like, a guy like Dalen Hayes kind of jumped out to me as maybe a guy who could end up not making the team, though he's only a second-year uh, player, fifth-round pick. But it, it does seem like there really aren't that many position battles. And, I, I mean, and you didn't even mention, like, on the back end, like, they have two draft picks that uh, aren't going to get, you know, cut at cornerback um, in Demarion Williams, who I found out in the preseason game is nicknamed Pepe, which is exciting. Way better. Yeah, Love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> 100%. He should make that make the team on his name alone in that case. And, uh, uh, and uh, you know, Jalen Armour Davis. I, I don't right. Better That's name. a good point. I forgot him. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and I don't know if he played. I don't remember really him standing out in the Titans game. But – He's going to be on the team, and so, like, yeah, they have, like, and we, and we already talked about the, the 10 offensive linemen, and we think maybe a guy like a David Sharp and a Tristan Cologne might be out, but they're probably running nine, if not 10, offensive linemen <laughs> this year, it seems like. So, yeah, it, it, I think compared to most years, there really isn't um, a much. And you mentioned a Christian Welch, but like I said, like, they love him on special teams, and, like, you get rid of a guy like Anthony Levine, I think – you know, a guy like John Harbaugh is going to clutch even closer to his 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 special teams, almost exclusive guys. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I think it, it's it's the margins. It's it's you know, it's outside linebacker maybe, especially if Bowser's not ready to go. Um, but there's just a lot of pieces locked up, which is good and bad. I think it's it's good in the sense you have your team, but it's bad if if you know if you. You, you have your team and then your team ends up not being good. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, uh, but uh, for now, yeah, I think it's a good thing, certainly, to kind of have the stability um, going into camp. I think it just makes the picture a lot clearer. I mean, yeah, I think I think you guys are nailing, you know, nailing it right on the head here. I think that the thing that us common folk and not non-football guys, you know, as <laughs> – some more way more popular podcasts than us joke we're football guys football guys um <laughs> the special teams thing is something that we always forget to take into consideration and guys that can play it's it's why justice hills had a job for so long uh you know a, a guy who's barely featured as a as an actual running back for the ravens but plays a lot of special teams and that's something that they really value obviously with john harbaugh's special teams background another thing that we have to factor in and i'm just i'm throwing a name out there as just a guy Antonio mentioned, I know nothing about his performance so far this season, what have you, uh, is, is veterans who they consider either cap casualties or guys that they think they can get rid of and save some money because they're not performing to the level that they thought they would be, a la a, you know, a Brent Urban or something. They think, we want Travis Jones to get more opportunities. We love Matabuke and what he's doing. We can save more here and, and backload somewhere else. Somewhere, to my third point, where they know they get hurt all the time. The defensive secondary is the one that I look at. I'm looking at, again, Luke Jones from WNST. Uh, as I mentioned before, he posted a predicting the roster after, you know, on Monday, August 15th. And he has 11 defensive backs. 11 out of the 53-man roster. You know, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Brandon Stevens, Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, Kyle Fuller, Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton, Tony Jefferson, and even Geno Stone. Uh, who who we didn't mention who did play play very well although albeit towards the very end of the game when it was really the scrubs in the preseason game but he still did 
And then you have to factor in the guys that are injured as well with, with the way this breaks out. You know, Jace and Antonio have mentioned Tyus Bowser. Tyus Bowser, healthy, is a starter on this football team. He is not healthy. Uh, they don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. So what do you do instead? I think that you have to you have to keep an extra outside linebacker. And Blitz. It's not, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Send everybody, wink. Uh, also, I saw a stat today that the, the Patriots faced – uh, what was it? They faced in, in their preseason games. It was like the number of blitzes that they faced, and it was all single digits. And in this game, it was twenty-one because they were playing the Giants. And Wink Martindale is now the defensive coordinator of the Giants. Never change, buddy. We love you. Um, so you have to eva- you have to factor in guys. You know, places where you're already hurt or you expect to get hurt, and you have to keep extra guys on because of that. Um, one interesting area, as Antonio throws this out at us, is I think the running back room. I think the running back room is the one where you're going to go, oh, man, they cut him. And now this one does factor into your, uh, you know, Gus Edwards might not be ready yet. Do you keep an extra guy? But these are all the guys in your running back room, and I'm including fullbacks here because fullbacks count too. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Pat Ricard, Mike Davis, Justice Hill, the rookie Tyler Batty, and they hate cutting rookies, uh, Nate McCrary, and Ben Mason, the other fullback. That's a lot of guys on that list. Uh, Corey Clement was actually cut as of recording this uh, by the Ravens, who featured a little bit against the Titans as well. But think of a guy like, you know, I think Justice Hill's probably on the way out. But as I mentioned at the start of this rant, I don't know enough about special teams, and maybe they really value him there. Tyler Batty's a rookie. They don't like getting rid of rookies, even the sixth-round guys, if they think they see something there. Then you go to Mike Davis. Mike Davis... Probably going to make the team because of the Edwards injury, you would you would assume. And then he was pretty good as the starter. Uh, much better than the likes of Devontae Freeman and, and, and Le'Veon Bell and everybody last year as well. So then you're going Nate McCrary and Ben Mason are probably your guys on the way out. But, but there could be a surprise there because of, you know, whatever cap hit somebody brings. And if they think that the value based on the money and performance is a bit closer than we expect. So... There are, I think there is going to be a surprise or two uh, to, to kind of push back at both of you guys. I think there's going to be one where we go, oh, man, they cut that guy because it's something we're not seeing. But, yeah, but for the most part, you know, God bless it, the Ravens are, are when healthy, a good team. They've got pretty much everything figured out here. Uh, and then it's just it's kind of fine-tuning rather than completely deciding what your roster is, which is not what you want at this stage in the season. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled. Honestly, uh, I think this is only going to be a positive thing. I think they're going to end up with four or five names that are injured to start the year that are all locked in starters. And as guys get hurt, <laughs> that's when these starters will sort of filter their way back into the 53-man roster. Tyus Bowser, very likely. Like David Ojabo is another guy who's just going to be like hanging around until he's ready to go. Ronnie Stanley, probably not going to start the season as a healthy player. Uh, and a few other guys, like you mentioned, um, Gus Edwards, and maybe a few others. So I'm impressed with the depth. I think the secondary, that Tim, you talked about 11 players. I think there's 11 guys that could make the team. I don't think 11 are going to make it, which is crazy. Like, there's a reason that Tony Jefferson was playing in, like, the fourth quarter of the first preseason game for the Ravens, is that even though he's an established veteran, he, like, the team is very well aware of how many names are in front of him right now, and, you know, how many players are they going to keep, and can he see the ball when it's being thrown? Like, these are the questions, <laughs> the hard questions that we need to ask for 
fringe guys, but talented players to make the team. So overall, it's exciting, and it may end up just working out where this is time for a couple of these guys to stay on the team for four or five weeks as the injured starters uh, sort of filter back onto the field. Well, so one thing that this exercise has kind of just jogged my my, my mind on and, and makes me, you know, ponder on, think about, we discussed probably several months ago at this point, in the wake of the Ravens drafting Kyle Hamilton, the future of Chuck Clark. And running through this list, I wonder, I do wonder if there is a trade um, coming for perhaps a player like Chuck Clark. Um, if they think they have... You know, young guys they want to keep if they don't view Chuck Clark as part of their future plans. If they can get, you know, a second round pick, multiple draft picks for a guy like Chuck Clark. Um, or even the, the even rarer one for one, if they can somehow trade Chuck Clark for a, an edge rusher of some uh, note. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. And it's something I hadn't thought about, but I think this exercise at least made me think, well, maybe a trade would kind of, you know, make some sense. Uh, not that I, I think the Ravens are probably worse without Chuck Clark, but if you, it is a potential way uh, to alleviate the log jam, uh, if you think you, if you do have a bunch of good players and you can trade, you know, other guys too, but it just made me think of this. And I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about the yeah. hashtag trade Chuck Clark. <laughs> uh, hashtag no. And here's the, <laughs> and here's a couple of reasons why one, as of recording, apparently he locked up Mark Andrews today, so he's oh. showing that he can compete against tight ends uh, in that role. Number two, I, I think they know from every single year they have a bunch of secondary guys go down, and that's not going to happen. Number three, he's a leader on this team, and, and somebody that wore the green dot for a very long time might not anymore because he might not see the field every single down like he used to. Maybe he still will. Who knows? Uh, we've talked about the three safety thing that the Ravens might try and implement as some more, you know, trying to get ahead of the league in a way. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see it happening in any way, shape or form. And number four, sorry, I forgot my fourth point. I don't think there's any way that the Ravens get any sort of value with what they rate Chuck Clark at. I think a second round pick is laughable. I think a premium edge rusher is, is that can contribute, uh, to what Chuck Clark contributes is laughable. And yeah, if you listen from, if you listen to this podcast from the beginning, I'm a Chuck Clark stan. I love that guy, but yeah, I, I even biases aside, taking off the Chuck Clark tinted glasses, um, I, I don't see it happening. Chuck Clark and a second for Roquan Smith? No, not, not okay. Okay, okay. Not- <laughs> now we're having a different conversation. Now we're having a different conversation. He doesn't want to be there, Tim. He wants out of Chicago. You know what team would give him every single snap for seventeen games? Yeah, but then, then you got to pay an off-ball huh. linebacker. Do you want to do that? Well, the Jets will come swooping in with some sort of <laughs> some offer there. True. Yeah. No, I'm getting getting ahead of myself, but uh, that that'd be nice because our two linebackers at the moment are Josh Bynes and Patrick Queen. Anyway, <laughs> uh, all right. A couple of NFL just news and notes that I want to go over before we get out of here. Um, we talked two weeks ago about the Deshaun Watson suspension news, um, where it was six games and perfectly timed to face the Ravens in Week Seven. And we were sort of on the fence about whether or not the NFL was going to appeal this and sort of, um, you know, poke at the new system that they had instituted about how to review these types of of decisions. They did appeal, and I am pleasantly surprised at that. Um, Jace, I think you have a little bit of info here on exactly how that's going to go down, but no timeline on when we're going to hear about 
the the appeal decision? Yeah, which is weird. Uh, Watson did pl- actually play the Browns preseason game because... And well, the Jags fans responded in kind. We'll leave it at did. that. They did, and Watson looked awful, as an aside. But, um, yes, uh, Roger Goodell appointed uh, Peter C. Harvey as his designee. Uh, this man is the former uh, Attorney General of New Jersey. Uh, he's apparently been an advisor for the NFL, too. He kind of was part of some panel the NFL had... Uh, review the league's investigation into Zeke Elliott several years ago. Um, and he's also on the diversity advisory committee. Um, so he's hearing the NFL's appeal. Uh, like you said, no real timetable on when this will happen. Um, it definitely seems like uh, the NFL has been pushing for a full season suspension. I don't know if that's happening. Um, but I think Deshaun Watson is at least cognizant that his extension or suspension is going to be extended some amount because he um, has, you know, changed course a little bit. He uh, did an interview before the Browns preseason game where he actually uh, expressed at least a small level of remorse for his alleged actions, um, which was different than just everything else he's done to this point. So I think my read on that is he kind of sees the, the walls closing in a little bit and is trying to you know, um, make, do what he can to make it not a full season suspension effectively. Um, he also a few days prior floated to the AP that he'd be fine accepting an eight game suspension with counseling. Um, so that combined with his apology in my mind makes it me think he thinks he's getting certainly suspended for a longer period of time. Uh, and he's trying to do whatever he can to mitigate that. Um, but as for when we'll actually find out, uh, what happens to him, who knows? I, uh, this is like basically the first time this process has gotten run. Uh, you assume they have to make a decision before the season <laughs> starts. Um, but as for when this will happen, that's a, a, a big mystery. So I don't really know uh, when to expect any decision because it's kind of the first time this whole process is playing out. But uh, yeah, certainly I think to keep an eye on. And uh, I think it's... A virtual guarantee, I think, that Watson's suspension is going to be extended far, uh, more than six games. But uh, as for how much, if it'll be the full season the NFL's been pushing for, I kind of doubt that. But I, it, I think it'll definitely be longer than six games. Yeah, look, I, if you didn't if you didn't listen to the, the latest episode, go back and listen. I said my piece on that sick. Um, and I'm just going to kind of leave it at that with, with what I think of Deshaun Watson. What I think is... As Jace has pointed out, it is it is interesting that the NFL appealed, and we all kind of got the impression that if the NFL was going to appeal, that means that you know Roger was going to come in and kind of step in and be like, well, you know what, this is the first time we did this process, and um, I'm basically just saying, no, 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 we'll go back to the old way where I make all the decisions, which is kind of was the balance of what are we going to do here because clearly the six games was not nearly enough for the heinous crimes that Deshaun Watson committed, but it was kind of this game that you have to play with with the PA and what have you. So I think it is interesting that it's still going to individual um, litigators is the wrong word, but you know, I'm not very smart. So you get it. Uh, it, the, it like outside parties basically still determining this appeal. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I, I have, I have no sense of what's going to happen because none of us thought six games and you know, the world is the world, and, and Deshaun Watson got six games for what he did. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see. There have been some uh, 
sort of offhand comments from Goodell that he slash the NFL thought a year is what it should have been. I think he was quoted recently. He was like in meetings for something else, Jace, and then they were yeah, he was he, asked about it, and he, he said... He was at owners' meetings, and they, they asked him about it, and wh- one of the things he said that I remember off the top of my head was they were like, why do you want... Why did you appeal? And Goodell said, um, not a direct quote, but something along the lines of, like, we've seen the facts of the case, and... Uh, sort of sort of that kind of thing so he he you know he 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 actually talked about it like way more um sort of than i anticipated uh, right uh, honestly but um yeah it'll definitely be interesting to um to see he definitely has been standing by uh his desire for the nfl to to suspend uh watson a full year again i don't know how this process works if if the the appeal if they can I I don't know how it all works. If they could do enough to basically convince this this designee to go from six to seventeen games, that seems like a big ask. So I don't know if that's happening or not. But um, I do think, yeah, it certainly seems like the suspension will be uh, longer. Just who knows when that decision will be made. Well, I look forward to that news coming out on a Friday uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, In theory, I guess, yeah, before the regular season starts. That seems kind of odd to do it otherwise. Uh, And then one other quarterback note, and this is a fun one. Let's end on a fun one, guys. Uh, Zach Wilson, Jets quarterback, is officially out two to four weeks after suffering a bone bruise and torn meniscus in this, the Jets preseason game against the Eagles that happened over the weekend. Uh, let me say that again. Out two to four weeks, the Ravens opener against the Jets is in exactly four weeks from last Sunday. So we got to talk about it. Will we see Joe Elite Flacco week one? Do we want to see Joe Elite Flacco? Is this the revenge game for Flacco? Are we terrified of him throwing four touchdowns against us in week one? Or would it just kind of be fun to see Flacco against the Ravens? I would have so much conflicted emotions in that game. Um, you know, he, he's he's two and eleven as a starter since he left Baltimore. So <laughs> I don't know that I'm gonna say I'm afraid of Joe Flacco. Uh, I'm sure he'd find a way to throw for three hundred yards against the Ravens, though, because that's how these things kind of happen against the Ravens. Um, it, we should say it does stink uh, for Zach Wilson, obviously, uh, to be injured, but it it adds a whole other level of intrigue to the Ravens' week one game <laughs> against the Jets. I uh, will would... say quickly, Jace, the, the line for this game moved from Ravens minus five and a half to Ravens minus seven, so even more disrespect <laughs> to Flacco there. Oh, boy. I, he, he had some interesting comments, actually, I, I watched yesterday, because he, he was saying how, like, you know, he's, he's been around the league a long time and how when he's seen guys who play or coaches who play their former teams and how they pretend like it's not a big deal, even though it clearly is like he cited when, uh, when, when Steve Smith, um, you know, played Carolina, uh, and, and it will be a little different uh, with that game being in New York, I believe. Right. So, um, you know, you won't get the, the, the Ravens, you know, 70,000 Ravens fans on their feet applauding for a tribute video they'd probably do for Flacco so it'll be a little more less strange in that case I think a little less emotional perhaps but uh as a Ravens fan watching yeah it would definitely be weird I mean you know we don't have to relitigate it was time it was time for Joe Flacco to go they made the right decision but uh 
you know, I, I do think there's been a, at least a small subsection of fans who have subsequently downplayed what Flacco means to the organization. Um, and, you know, I, he's, he's the most successful quarterback in terms of winning the Ravens have ever had. So uh, it'll be weird. It'll be weird if it happens. And I, I kind of don't want it to. I hope Zach Wilson comes back uh, and they just play Zach Wilson. Uh, and it's an otherwise nondescript Ravens-Jets game that the Ravens win. Because, you know, if Flacco plays that game, I could see weird things happening, and I don't like that. I mean, if Flacco plays, he beats us, right? Like that <laughs> Probably. Just, like, I think that's what he throws happens. such a pretty ball, such a pretty yeah. spiral. Just, just deep balls to Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios over and over, and Garrett Wilson over and over and over again. I, I mean, yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm right here with Jace, so I'm not going to go on too long about this. I, I think everybody immediately went, "Oh, it would be so fun!" And there, there was, there was the, the good-natured people. They were like, "Oh, it'd be fun, Flacco versus the Ravens," and I, you know, I think it would be kind of fun to see that. And then there's the people like, "Yeah, we could." beat him beat him down and i'm like you people have either only been following the team since 2020 or <laughs> are just delusional like absolutely delusional with about what joe flacco means to this franchise so yeah i i guess for me it's more of for me the pessimist and i said the pessimist is coming for me the pessimism is i don't want to see him because i know he'll beat us but <laughs> If he wants to come back in week two and I get to watch Smoke and Joe sling the pill a little bit, fine with me. <laughs> Look, I oh, he'll definitely have a lead in the second half. But when that strip, when Odafe Owe comes around the corner and strips him from the blind side and he fumbles, uh, that's going to turn the game around and the Ravens will come out with a win. But they won't cover. Uh, they won't cover seven points against uh, Joe Elite Flacco. Oh boy, I would love to see it. Just it would just be fun and funny. Um, I'm not going to say too much, but there are whispers about me potentially being in the stadium for week one, uh, potentially being in the stadium for the week one game. So that would add, I'm, I would like tear up during the, uh, like national <laughs> anthem. If it's like Joe Flacco in a Jets uniform, so it'd be exciting, but we'll see still some time to figure that out. If, uh, if Zach Wilson can return, but torn meniscus, he had like a minor surgery to address it. Doesn't seem like something that you can just like come back from in a couple of weeks and like be healthy and ready to go. And, and this is uh, the same exact knee Wilson injured last year too. So it's becoming, becoming an issue. Uh, yeah. Them. Are they going to, are they going to rush him for week one? I don't think so. Uh, so it'll be a fascinating game if it is Flacco. We will have weeks to talk about that obviously though, as we get closer to September, but I'm getting excited about Ravens and NFL football just as we talk about this. Um, okay. Last thing I'm going to go over the random Raven one more time and then we're going to get on out of here. This large random raid was drafted by the team out of Nebraska in the fourth round of the 2016 NFL Draft, otherwise known as the Dark Ages of Raven football. Yeah, thanks for that. He played in ten games as a rookie, starting eight, but missed the last six weeks with a sprained ankle. In 2017, during the Ravens' first preseason game, this player suffered a shoulder injury that led to surgery and eventually had him miss the entire season but he came back in 2018 and started all 10 games that he played in. In August of 2019, he was traded to the New York Jets for a conditional 7th round pick for the 2020 draft. He played two seasons with the Jets, starting 21 games, before retiring suddenly in August of 2021 after suffering a head injury. He wore the same number as Kelechi Osemele, and the trade that got the Ravens a conditional 7th round pick ended up being traded for another pick, 
that then led to the Ravens drafting James Prochet, I have to say it again, future Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Stop. Uh, who is this random Raven? So I will say real quickly as we were wrapping up, I tried to do the Wikipedia list of the full draft and hit Control F Ravens and skip through the fourth round to just look at the other people. And because the Ravens had two picks like very close together, he popped up. So I won't say it. I will say I would have never gotten this player, Jason. I would have never gotten it. Okay. So the name I was on for a while was uh, probably future random Raven Willie Henry. But then uh, the name, uh, the number threw me off. Um, so the name I landed on, and I don't know if the first name is 100% right, but is this Alex Lewis? <laughs> Tim, there's a reason that... We called Jace the stat man for years. Jesus Christ. Because it is Alex Lewis. And that is a pull. And I'm happy I did this random Raven because <laughs> I dug a little bit. No stats at all. Just starts. And Jace Evans on top of it. Alex Lewis. You know what's sad? It, it, it took me, a, like, a, when you said, like, Coleccio Assembly's number, I had to, like, be like, what was his number? And then I, like, filed through it. And I was like, oh. No. Oh, I got that. And then, it, like, that, that's when the name blasted into my head. I don't know how like, it came to me. But I was just trying to think of, like, offensive linemen who wore that number. And, yeah, his his his, uh, his name popped in there. And uh, here's, here's, here's some of this draft, Jace. And, like, I would have probably gotten most of the people on this list. And these will be future random Ravens for sure. Ronnie Stanley obviously won't be unless we're – like in our 60s doing this podcast still. Uh, Kamale Correa, remember him out of Boise State? Oh, we thought he was going to be something. Uh, Bronson Kafusi, the BYU <laughs> defensive end as well. They drafted two like outside linebacker rusher guys who would have been the rushers then. Don't worry, in the fifth round, they got Matt Judon. He's great. Uh, Tavon Young was in this draft. Chris Moore, Willie Henry, as you mentioned. Kenneth Dixon as well. Maurice Kennedy was in the sixth round, a guy that, that was just around for a while. And he the one guy I would have forgotten. Already. <laughs> he might have been. Uh, Alex Lewis. A very, very good one there, Antonio. Yeah, that's a fantastic one, Antonio. Uh, I, I tried to pull up the deal that he signed with the Jets, and I haven't quite gotten the year, but it looks like he may have played in 2019 with the Jets that first year, got a three-year, $18.6 million contract. Jesus. Played one other half year. And then retired, like, what? good on you, Alex Lewis. Like, you retire when you want to retire. But just Jets, forever Jetsing. And that's why I'm excited to play them week one. Because they just make so many poor choices. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the Random Raven. Um, and that's it for it for us uh, for, for now. We'll be back next week with another preseason Raven game to talk about. Probably some more player cuts. Uh, hopefully some more outstanding catches from... Isaiah Likely, uh, and others uh, in the Raven playmaking group. Hopefully no Raven starters play in that game, even one snap. Uh, that's sort of the goal there. And we'll be back next week to bring all of the news to you. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.